Hey everyone, welcome to the Grabs Podcast, where we bring the stories of real-life rescues to you firsthand from those involved. I'm your host today, Grant Schwalbe. With me today, I got Brian Seifert from Coventry Township Fire Department in Ohio. What's going on, Brian? How you doing, man? Good. Uh, tell us a little bit about you first in your department. All right, so I'm a lieutenant with the Coventry Fire Department. It's an unincorporated area of Akron, Ohio. Um, we have one station, and we're a combo or jump. So uh, there's anywhere from three to five, and when we're at minimum, uh, we got three guys, and if a med run comes in, we handle the med run. If a fire, fire call comes in, we all jump on the engine. Um, a lot of the stations in our metro area, South Summit, we kind of operate uh, on a box alarm system. So when we get a fire, our neighboring stations also get dumped, but they run a lot of combos as well. So um, they could be in, they could be out, and then um, really the only ones that uh, focus, they have their own staffed engines and ladders is uh, the downtown stations in Akron. And then some of the bigger cities around us at their downtown house, they may have a dedicated truck. Cool. So what's that mean for you guys? You get dispatched on a house fire to, tomorrow. What so you- if we're at minimum and we got three guys, uh, we send our engine and then we get three additional engines uh, from our neighboring communities, uh, one ladder truck and one medic unit with two guys. And then we also recall all our off-duty guys. And then when you guys arrive on scene, what should, talk to me about your search culture. Who's, who's doing the searches? Do you have pre-arrival assignments? What's so your- we really don't. Um, our search culture, we're an aggressive interior, uh, I would say, culture. Like a lot of the departments around us, like we go in, but we do a lot of stuff off the line just because our staffing. Um, you never know. If everybody's in quarters, uh, for the most part, our next engine gets there uh, within three to five minutes. And that usually our second in engine will do our search. They'll hit the water supply and then go in and do search. Um, but a lot of times it's command driven just based off the situation that you have. And a lot of our searches, I think, get done uh, pretty quick into the fire, but they get done by the guys on the hose line. So um, our goal is to beat that bell. And you know we wanna get the fire knocked down um, when it's still room and contents or just a couple room and contents and then search from there. But, um, just recently we've had a lot of real young guys, a lot of, uh, aggressive firefighters that are taking a lot of the trainings that, you know, even your group provides and they're bringing a lot of this stuff back. So we're doing a lot more training on vent under search, um, split search and also hose line search. But a lot of it's just, uh, what, you know, what's going on when you get there, what's your size up reveal and then how many people you have to do the job and then you just got to start prioritizing. So I'll put you on the spot here for a second. You're the officer, you got a new guy. If you're going to be searching off the hose line, tell me as the new guy what you want me to do or how's your search going to be. So that's exactly what happened with this fire is um he started knocking the fire down while I was finishing my 360 and once we took the front door, uh he went in and he went to the fire and put himself between me and the rest of the the house, what's burning and what's not burning. And I actually searched off the hose line, but uh, I actually missed him because he was behind me and behind a door. Um, So we searched the kitchen. He went and hit the fire in the living room, made a good knock on it. 
And then I followed him in and then he was kind of protecting me with this hose line the entire time. And then I was able to search the living room and then he kind of started searching in his area. And then it was when we started uh, coming back towards the egress is when we found them. All right. So we jumped ahead of ourselves a little bit in that, but take me to, uh, let's go from the beginning, July 26, 2020, and let's talk through that fire. Sounds good. So it was about uh, 11.53 when we got dispatched. And for some reason, we were all still up. I'm not really sure why, but that helped us out a little bit. Um, we got dispatched for a structure fire with somebody possibly trapped. So uh, we rolled our engine and we were getting our auto aid assignment. Um, but unfortunately, two of our four companies that were coming in on that auto aid assignment were unavailable because they were already out on other calls. So they were already dipping into the second box, which kind of created a little bit of delay for our second and uh, third due engines. Uh, so once we got on scene, it was a small cottage, probably about 800 to 1,000 square feet. Uh, we had fire blown out of uh, the A side and the D side windows. They had both failed. And the exposure house on the back side, the siding was starting to melt. Um, we got a report as soon as we got on scene that the house was vacant and nobody was inside. But we could tell immediately that there was furniture in the house. There was a four-wheeler in the driveway. So we knew somebody at some point lived there. And, you know, around midnight, there's no reason they shouldn't be inside. So right from the get-go, we knew that we were going inside, um, even without our two-in, two-out. So we called on the radio and let, um, you know, the mobile – We I took mobile command, and we let our next-in officer know that we were going interior. So um, my nozzleman did a fantastic job. He actually pulled the line that I wanted without me telling him. He took it to the, the front door and while I was finishing my 360, he actually opened up a straight stream onto the ceiling and kind of darkened the fire down pretty good just in that probably 10 seconds while we were, uh, or while I was masking up. And then as soon as that happened, we went in through the front door and uh, we went in and I tried doing a, a tick search and uh, it was whited out. So uh, he went in probably about 10 feet and I followed him and then he started hitting the fire at the ceiling that was coming out of the living room. And I started searching off the hose line to my right. Once I got to the right wall, um, I came back towards the hose line, went around the kitchen table, realized that we were in the kitchen. And then I got into the living room and then he was still actively putting fire out at that time. So uh, once we got back together, we started talking a little bit about the next plan of attack. And I started searching the living room, found the stairs, but I wasn't comfortable leaving him downstairs by himself. So I assigned our uh, next in truck, which was going to be a ladder from the city of Barberton, uh, to search the second floor. And they acknowledged it. So I knew that was going to be taken care of uh, momentarily. And then we both started just continuing to search because the fire was knocked down pretty good. He had the nozzle and I was searching off the hose. We were still able to talk. And um, I went back towards the front door. So I kind of heard like a moan, which was kind of crazy. Uh, with everything that was going on and the smoke had lifted by that point like i said it was about the seven minute mark the smoke had lifted enough at the front door to where my engine driver actually packed up and he was prepared to leave the truck just to kind of help out because nobody had gotten there yet and uh when i turned uh he was located kind of behind the door but in a corner and uh, we were able just to pull him out into the front yard nice talk a little bit about your visibility initial to once you found them? What was visibility like? Initially, there was really no visibility at all. Um, the tick was whited out and we were pretty much just going by, you know, 
glow and and the heat. And uh, uh, I mean, he was he was doing a great job. The nozzle guy was doing a great job of keeping the fire at bay and uh, giving me the opportunity to search that room. Luckily, it was a small house, so we didn't really get too far away from each other. We were able to communicate uh, pretty easily, so that was comforting, especially with uh, you know still waiting on that second do. What was the size of the victim? So uh, he was relatively small. Uh, he was an older gentleman and he was probably 160, 170. And he was kind of uh, laying on his back, kind of reaching out to us when we found him. So he was, he was still uh, kind of coherent, not talking real well, but um, he was pretty badly burned. So did he, did he fight you at all as you guys? Not were, at all. What, how'd you guys do your drag? I know he was behind the front door, so it wasn't that far that you had to drag him. But yeah, he was probably six feet from the door. So we really just, I got under his arms and just pulled him right out. And uh, he just, you know, it was actually pretty, pretty smooth, pretty easy. I carry a house strap, didn't even think to grab it, didn't need it. Um, so he, he pretty much came right out. And then uh, my nozzleman came back around and he actually helped me just with his feet as we uh, started navigating the front yard. So as you bring the victim out, you pass that victim off. Did, were you, did you have, so we still didn't have anybody there yet other than, um, I think we had maybe a couple people in the front yard that were starting to show up. So the engine driver went to the truck and got our EMS gear. And, uh, we started, you know, I guess basic life support there kind of waiting on the ambulance. And, uh, as soon as the ambulance got there, they brought the cot over and put them on a cot. And then we actually went back in to finish our search. Excellent. And is there anything that you, you guys talked about after the fact that? Yeah, for sure. So uh, one of the reasons that I felt uh, this podcast was going to be so important is, um, you know, I, I get to do a lot of teaching through the University of Akron and um, I get to actually learn from a lot of the guys that came from your search culture. And I watch a lot of these younger guys uh, teach, you know, when you, you, you control that front door and as soon as you get that door open, you control it, you get on your stomach you know, you look, you listen, you feel. And um, that's one thing that I really didn't do. Um, that wasn't in my muscle memory. And uh, that's what I want everybody to understand is the two points I wanted to make is that, um, you know, a building's not vacant just because they say it is until it's searched. And we got reports that somebody was inside. And then shortly after we got conflicting reports that, that they were out. So um, I'm glad that we went in and and we searched because that gave you know him the best chance of survival. And I wish that I would have controlled that front door while he was hitting the fire or while we were preparing to go in. And I wish I would have been on my stomach and I wish I would have been able to look, listen, and feel because he was close enough to where I probably wouldn't have felt him, but I might've seen him. And uh, just because we were kind of still focused on keeping that fire away from anybody that was inside, um, you know, I think we missed him. And uh, I think we probably could have got him a, a minute or two earlier if, if uh, I would have done that. So that's an important skill and it's an important training point and it's important to develop that muscle memory um, doing your training. We do quite a bit of search training um, regionally and we're all pretty good at it. And, um, but I think we could still be a little better. We could be a little more aggressive. There's a lot of new techniques out there that you guys are all bringing to light that uh, a lot of our older guys, including myself, we weren't taught that stuff in the fire academy. So if you don't go out and find this training, you're not going to even know it exists, and then you're not going to do it on the fire ground. And with our staffing, you know, downtown Akron, they got dedicated engines, they got dedicated ladders, 
you know, they can do a lot more. And, uh, you know, with only three, four, five guys in the first couple minutes, you really have to maximize what you're doing um, to be able to be successful. And that, that takes training, hard work, and muscle memory. And uh, so I just want everybody to know that these trainings are out there and they need to, they need to go for it. They need to do it and they need to bring it back to their departments. How, Brian, how much training do you get to do with your neighboring departments? So we're still uh, kind of developing some of these relationships. Uh, over about the last two to three years, we've started to really increase our joint trainings, our regional trainings. We're actually to the point now where we're starting to develop regional SOPs. And just over the last probably three to four months, we developed a regional RIT policy because some departments still weren't assigning RIT engines or RIT teams. And um, just recently, everybody updated their auto aid box. So everybody's gonna have a RIT engine specific. And uh, I'm hoping that where that leads is some more joint training and some more joint policies. So first do engine does this, second do engine does this, third do engine does this. Um, and then, you know, we'll be able to kind of work together even more seamlessly. Yeah, outstanding. Um, talk, I think you hit it a little bit, but I'm impressed with the time factor. Even though you guys were functioning by yourself and you didn't, you had a long delay before your second due was getting there, you still ended up making this grab and victim out within eight minutes. Yeah, it was about the eight minute mark from on scene and our first arriving uh, mutual, actually our first arriving unit after that was at the eight minute mark. And then everybody else kind of filtered in between eight and 12 minutes, which is abnormal. I mean, it was just worst case scenario for us. Great. Do you have any victim information or anything? Did you get updates? Well, unfortunately, uh, he did pass away the following morning. Um, he was burned 70 to 80% of his body. Um, but uh, the medics did a real good job getting him to the burn center. Uh, they did try pretty hard. He was still awake and kind of talking to us uh, when we pulled him outside. And, uh, you know, it definitely wasn't the outcome that we wanted to see, but um, we gave him every chance to survive, I guess, and, and get him back to, uh, you know, being able to see his family. And that's, I guess that's all we can ask as we get paid to do. Yeah, I, I can't remember who said it, but we'll pull him out and let God sort him out, and that's it. What you said he had burns? Did, was it was he slippery at all as you were making the drag? Or I don't remember him being slippery at all. Um, he came out uh, pretty easily, and I don't know if it was just you know you're in the middle of an adrenaline dump um, and the fact that he was pretty light, but um, he came out pretty easy. I just got up under his arms and pulled him out. So do you remember if he had clothes on or anything? He was fully clothed. All right. Um, if anybody wants to get a hold of you to ask any more information on this or what you guys are doing regionally, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Um, my email is probably the best way, and it's cyphert, C Y P H E R T, at Coventry Township, and then township spelled out dot com. And I can share anything we have. Um, regionally, we're a work in progress, we're making a lot of strides. Uh, we have a, a very good culture. We have a lot of really young, aggressive firefighters that are doing the right things. And uh, we got a lot of good chiefs in place that are kind of allowing us to slowly implement these changes and make things better in the region. Well, Brian, yeah, I appreciate you working good. In, in sharing the story. If you make a grab or assist, alive or deceased, please go to www.firefighterrescuesurvey.com and take the short survey. This information is for us and by us in updated real time. 
if you want to share your, your grab story on our podcast, reach out to me, Grant Schwalbe, at on Facebook, Residential Primary Search, Making the Grab. Uh, send me a text, 239-898-0843. You can also get a hold of Justin McWilliams or Nick Ledeen. And uh, until next time, thanks for listening.